Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a weekly podcast where we cover every single episode of Lucifer while exploring plot holes and diving deep into all the details you never knew you needed. I'm Lena. And I'm Vero. And we both not only share a deep love for the show and its creators, but also for our glorious patrons who enrich our lives on more than one level. Today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 19, Orange is the New Maze. Did you ever watch Orange is the New Black? I have not. I have a vague idea what it's about. I watched a few seasons and then I kind of fell off. I heard it's very good, but I don't have the personal experience. It has a few amazing characters and a few amazing actors, but mostly I'm... I was whelmed. (laughs) I was not only whelmed by this episode, though. This was a very uh, overwhelming episode. Let's get into the what is this episode about? This week, Mace is in a self-destructive spiral. Lucifer is terribly selfish. Charlotte learns the truth and takes it really well. Dan and Ella are once again the best humans ever. Pierce is a fucking piece of trash. And Chloe is conflicted. Okay, I didn't think we were gonna disagree in this episode. And <laughs> I am now changing my mind a little bit. Do you want to spoiler which parts? No. Awesome. Then let's talk about the obsession of the week. I have written down manipulation because at first Lucifer is completely obsessed with the fact that Mace is manipulating him, allegedly. And then he gets completely obsessed with the fact that somebody is manipulating Mace. Yeah. It works on all the levels. Yeah, this one is your round. I went boring and just said Mace. But you're right, manipulation it is. Hey, <laughs> Winning already. So is there anything fun about this episode? Sadly, not much. We have a seventh time director, Nathan Hope. Previous credit was Welcome Back, Charlotte Richards. We have an eighth time writer in Jen Cao with their apparently final credit for Lucifer. Ooh, that's a shame. The title obviously is said by Lucifer and I have one, well, Fun fact. Did you ever watch Sons of Anarchy? No. Then, non-surprise that you didn't instantly tag the bad guy of the episode in the woman who owns the winery. Because in apparently true procedural fashion, they tipped their hand halfway on the killer by casting McNally Sagal who played in Sons of Anarchy and a shit ton of other credits. And we've been in this situation before that someone more well-known plays a pivotal character. Just last week, actually. So not just by casting did they tip their hand for us, also within the episode. Because their police work is really bad in this episode. When Maze tells her very poorly thought-out story about killing the victim, Chloe and Lucifer realize that she was never in the guy's trailer at his workplace at the Viner. So they should have then realized something was up with the foreman because he had confirmed that he had seen Mace. And it takes them way too long. Even I noticed that. I would not even have included this in the facts and funs, but that's the only fun fact I have. I mean, there is not that much fun about this episode in general. It's pretty much a big pool of depression and self-loathing. So why don't we get into the previously on Lucifer to get ourselves ready for what's coming? Lucy tries to establish boundaries with Kane, but Kane still makes a move on Chloe. Ames accidentally confuses Charlotte with Mum. Maze lashes out at the world, but more importantly at Trixie. Ames decides to tell Charlotte the truth about divinity. 
which was a bad guess on my part. And Lucy is not having the best time accepting Kane and Chloe. Speaking of this episode is a huge part of depression. I named the first scene Everything is Horrible. Mm-hmm. I named it Che Clixi. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with my title because everything is horrible in this scene. I have so many emotions and everything. So let's get into it. Well, a first thing that I was wondering in this scene was if Mace actually cared about the knife or if it was just an excuse for her to go back into the apartment. No, I think she actually wanted to collect her possessions and she likes her knives. I think it was obviously used as an exposition because she grabs the coconut water from there and she complains that she lost one of her knives, which will come in play later on in the episode. But yeah, it was just something that I wondered and got pretty much fairly explained later on watching Mace behaving. It felt very in character that she wants to have her equipment back because she really likes all her equipment. When Lucy Lucifer is asking for her help with killing Cain and she brings all the stuff she uses to hold things so she can stab them. She really has a very close relationship to her weapons. So it made complete sense to me that she would turn the entire place upside down searching for her knife. Mm -hmm. Well, then we have Lucifer barging in and them having a conversation and Mace asks him to bring her back to hell. But I found it interesting that he refuses to fly her back. And not just because it doesn't make any sense for him to be worried about flying a demon back to hell. Because this feels like he would be returning her where she belongs and that would be according to his father's will. His reasoning makes absolutely zero fucking sense. It is selfish and shitty and horrible because returning a demon into hell is restoring the right order of things. And that is completely matching what Lucifer would think Dad would think to be good and proper. To compare it even remotely with plucking a soul from hell and putting it into a human is such bullshit. Ah! I think that Lucifer is just in a lot of struggle this episode. No, he's exceedingly selfish and he extremely displays this at the very end of the episode and that's when I will go into his selfishness in great length. I am aware that, of course, Maze is mindlessly lashing out and that she is having an overreaction to emotional duress that she is not equipped to deal with and that is why she wants to go home and that logically viewed, it is actually a horrible idea for her to go home. But Lucifer really goes about it the wrong way to tell her that. Yeah, I think his actions are good, but his reasoning is not. So if we say that it's about the destination, not the journey, he is actually doing a the right thing but unfortunately a lot of times people put it the other way around but at this moment I was wondering that Lucifer partially just doesn't want Mace to leave him. I think that he really cares for her. He just really doesn't know how to show it because he doesn't consider her equal to himself, which is obviously not okay. I think he doesn't actively care for her. I think he's just used to her. I think that is something that does not get answered in this episode, so I am not really willing to spend too much time on that because I disagree with that. That's perfectly fine. 
With perfect timing, Chloe comes in and despite some small issues, Chloe is one of my favorite things in this episode because on the one hand, I expected her to be mama bear. Mace more or less deliberately hurt her daughter verbally, but instead of turning into an utterly protective super mom, she proves to be an incredibly good and understanding friend and the only reason every single time throughout this episode where she is reaching out to Mace that it doesn't work is because she is not aware that inadvertently she is theoretically at fault that Lucifer refuses to bring Mace home and thus giving more torment to Mace. But everything she says comes from the perfect place in her heart. She doesn't phrase it perfectly, but she's just human. So I am completely here for Chloe from this second on. The entire episode, her fighting for Mace and her reaching out is incredibly well done. All those things are incredibly well done. What I don't like about this scene is that I felt like she actually is trying to get Lucifer and Mace to talk and not just trying to get Lucifer out so he doesn't see Pierce. I understand the reasoning why and I believe that it was multitasking that she partially wanted both of those things achieved like getting Mace taken care of and getting Lucifer out of the place before Kane walked in. But, oh, come on. It's just making it more awkward. And then we have Pierce walk in and there's this whole beach murder situation and it's just stupid and dumb and I hate it and I wanted to take a chair and punch Pierce in a face with a chair. Ugh. Yep, that's the moment where I say everything sucks in this scene and then there's Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> And then it gets worse. Exactly. But then we move over to therapy and wow, just wow. There is a song actually that kind of leads us into this scene called Island by My Goodness. And I do have a quote, bald in a sexy way. Yes. Do you know him? I, there is really nothing else in this first few seconds I can say. I don't know about the first few seconds, but this scene, it shows how much Charlotte has grown, that she is now comfortable properly sharing and opening up towards Linda. So I'm very, very proud of her. Also, this scene has some really good lines, but my favorite is... His father would have to be ancient and then Linda's face. That was just on point. I think Rachel Harris does a really, really good job in this scene in uh, her facial reactions and everything, everything about her, the way she comments on the situation. It's a great humor. It's really well done and crafted and it's perfect. And the only reason Charlotte doesn't realize that is happening is that because Charlotte herself is distraught and doesn't really pay attention to things around her. But as great as I think this scene is, both content as well as acting wise, it also is the first time I have to say, fuck you, Amanadiel. Oh yeah. And this is definitely not the last time. Yeah, this is going to be a repeato thing. So strap in. Mm-hmm. Upset. Upset. So upset. 
So we get to the beach murder, but plot twist, <laughs> it's not the original beach murder because the only thing that was murdered before was Chloe's dignity. Ooh, that's a nice burn. But I really appreciate that she mentions a beach murder and then we get a beach murder. And then we really have this short moment when she has to come clean to Lucifer that this is not the beach murder she was talking about when she said beach murder. And he actually gives us this half second of, oh, Yeah, sure, I totally knew that. Did you, though? He did. I don't think he believed that there was a beach murder. I think he just brought it up because he was trying to get Chloe to fess up. And also because I think part of him really wished there was a beach murder. That's why I say, did he, though? Because Lucifer is best when it comes to lying to himself. Yes, I think that he knew, but really wished it wasn't true. But also... I adore how incredibly uncomfortable Ella is in this scene. And I relate so, so much to her because the entire love relationship, triangle, jealousy thing made me extremely uncomfortable throughout the entire episode. And she is trying to be there for Lucifer in her own adorable way. So that's the first moment where Ella gets the good human points. Yeah, this is actually the moment when I had to say that you were right, because I did ask about this in the last episode. I was wondering if Ella knows about the relationship between Lucifer and Chloe and how actually serious it is. So yes, you were correct. She knows, but she also believes that their connection is on a little bit of a different level and that it was not going the romantic direction, at least not anymore. So yeah, fuck Pierce. This is my moment. Absolutely. We then review the security footage. We get a great soundtrack song to the security footage. It's called Highway and it's by Bleak. It's a very angry song. It's very mace. And I mean, I've seen this episode, but I only remember that she didn't do it, but I didn't remember the details. But when you look at the video, you do only see her retrieving the knife. And usually that's deliberate. So I was like, but my instant take on it was maybe she just walked past, was like, haha, there's my knife, took her knife and fucked off. That she was deliberately sent there to be framed for murder did not cross my mind. Yeah, I was very much on the I'm pretty sure it's not what it looks like side. But yeah, that was exactly my thought that she just was walking by. It's like, ooh, my knife. There it was. Right? <laughs> I knew I put this fucker somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, it just sounds like Mace. Absolutely. Also, she has so many knives. It's just statistically probable that she might find one in a random body on the street. And of course, we get the title card in this scene to wrap up the scene and move us over to the precinct. So we have Lucifer very firmly sitting on the guilty train, which doesn't surprise me at all because of their in last interaction. Because he is, as usual, making it all about himself. Well, of course. But we also have Chloe very expectedly on the not guilty train. And what actually I find suspicious in this moment is Kane. Because at this moment, I suspected Kane being behind this. It felt like he was trying to ride a wedge between Chloe and Mace in some way, even though Mace is doing a pretty good job of that herself. Because he says, are you sure your roommate is who you think she is? And it just feels like he is trying to reveal the demon nature 
nature. To alienate Chloe from basically all her normal friends. Essentially. That's a way more sinister thought than I had. He is essentially trying to isolate her, yeah. That's a very sinister thought. That hadn't crossed my mind. But I like your sinister thinking. And since it isn't exclusive with my theory, I say let's just combine the two of them. Yep, I definitely am here for that. Because Pierce is a multitasking asshole. Yes, that we saw before. And I hate him. Fuck Pierce, it's the time again. Fuck Pierce, definitely. But also, again, here, Chloe doing her best not to implicate Mace. It's so cute. It's so, so cute how hard she tries. So I know. No, repeat a thingy for this episode, but I'm still here for the friendship between Chloe and Mace. Really, really happy. We go on the drive in Lucifer's car, which I very much enjoy. The car. And I was surprised. Yes, so there is a great soundtrack song to this that is playing on the radio called Too Many Girls by The Mystery Lights. Should have taken a song with Too Many Guys, but never mind. I was surprised that Pierce and Chloe apparently have not yet slept with each other because we were pretty sure they had done this because of other implications that led us to believe that. But on the other hand, Chloe has repeatedly been depicted as more uptight and prudish when it comes to quickly having sex with someone. And Pierce also alluded to this when he said, if you want to take things slow, that's okay, but I'm all in. But still, it took me by surprise because Chloe has become so much more relatable and relaxed in her general behavior that it was surprising to me that she did not have sex with him yet. I'm happy, but I'm still surprised. Anything else for the drive? I feel that Lucifer... I mean, I know that he's feeling jealousy for sure, but I think that he is a lot of what he is saying and how he is behaving this episode for me was him trying to be protective of Chloe and being very wary about what Kane is doing because he knows who Kane is and he mentions it later on as well but he obviously approaches it in a very Lucifer way and I mean not nothing he said to Chloe in the car was a lie of course because it's Lucifer but the way he presented it definitely will not help with Chloe changing her mind about the whole relationship or her heart. So yeah, I just feel like that needed to be said on my part. All good. We move over to the winery and I have a ginormous complaint. It is utterly disgusting that Lucifer pours red wine into his flask. (laughs) It looked more like sherry. It's a winery and they had red and white bottles. I am a thousand percent sure they had a wine tasting for red and white wine. You are definitely allowed to think that, yes. I am right and it's disgusting. I just noticed that the bottle itself had a little bit of a different shape to a wine bottle. The top was like white and decorative. Because there was a pouring thingy in the top. Okay, maybe I missed that. In that case, I am with you, but I feel like for Lucifer, if it contains alcohol, it belongs into the flask. Red wine is supposed to breathe and also red wine and metal are a very, very bad combination and just no. Ew. Gross. Just gross. As I said in my fans and facts, this is also the moment where they tip their hand that this character, the female owner of the winery, is more important than to just get a five second appearance. Well... I personally started to get very suspicious in this scene because the way they described the dead guy 
oh, he was the quiet type, he was a good worker. It was just very generic. And the way your man jumped on the idea of Mace coming in, it makes sense. All of what they're saying makes sense, but it makes too much sense. It's all too perfect. And the way they later find the coconut water, even with the, yeah, we can't look too closely at any of our workers and everyone deserves a second chance for such good people. Yeah, no. If it sounds too good to be true, it is too good to be true. Just like Mace told the dude and ta-da, surprise at the end, it is. When you think about it right now, when you just said that, she probably saved dude's life, right? Because then the other dude was hired instead. Ooh, mind blown. I did not realize that. I mean, we're going to talk about it later when we review several of her bounties, but Mace is good people. That she is, and I made sure to write that down into my notes as well. Anyway suspect. But before we move on, like you said, when they go over into the trailer, they find the green tea coconut water and I know I'm not supposed to judge people, but who the fuck drinks this disgusting shit? I mean, Maze does. Gross. And she says that it's so good and you can't get it in hell. So clearly coconut water doesn't go to hell when it dies. No, green tea coconut water doesn't. Maybe normal coconut water does. I have no idea, but ew, no. Gross. Honestly, I'd probably try it and knowing my taste, I'd probably like it. I know. And I know I'm supposed to let people enjoy things and in real life I would let people enjoy it. But within this fictitious narrative, I'm judging the hell out of Mace for liking this drink. I think it makes absolute sense for Mace to be into something so weird and random. It feels very zen, like cucumber water that you drink in spas. It feels like that similar feel to it. So I just imagine Mace doing yoga and drinking green tea, coconut water. So yeah, that's my mental image right now thank you (laughs) that's perfectly fine speaking of mental let's move on over to therapy great segue great love that even though it's not actually therapy it's just inside linda's office because for some reason amenadiel still isn't in therapy he should be well yes but not with linda because he's a piece of shit and they have a history used to be a couple and you're not supposed to therapize your ex-spouses yes so first note i have on this is that fuck you aims Oh, no, that's my second note. My first note is Linda has every fucking right to call the shots on this. Fuck you, Ames, is my second note. And a third one is it is literally her job to deal with shit like this. Yeah, she's the fucking expert. How about you, Amenadiel, who still have not even the most superficial grasp of humanity and human psyche, shut your fucking face and let the professional handle this. Also, he brings their relationship into this. He makes it all about himself, just like Lucifer. I guess they're brothers after all. Mm, He is going on this selfish streak and... He has proven that in the last few episodes and it's getting worse and it's making me so mad. And he had come such a long way. This really feels so frustrating, but also it feels authentic. It makes sense. It fits his character. It doesn't feel like just a regression, which would drive me up the wall for all different reasons. It feels authentic to his character, but it is so annoying and I hate it. Yes. So basically what this is telling me, that he is drawing this all to get back at Linda for breaking up with him because he doesn't realize that's how breakups work. Sometimes it's neutral, but like sometimes one person decides 
they don't want to be in the relationship anymore, which is what Linda did. And to me, it's like more like subconsciously, he's trying to defy her because he's trying to prove to her that her opinion before was wrong or the decision she made before was wrong. Because he doesn't agree with her former decision, he is now not going to agree with any of her decisions, no matter how much higher her professional standing and expertise in this area is. Just to prove his point. But also with their relationship being ended, he lost yet another connection and stumbling into Charlotte slash mom, someone whom he was not able to say goodbye to. So him just having lost a very important connection, him never having dealt with the loss of his mother, because that is why he used the relationship with Linda in the first place, him still struggling with his fucked up relationship with his non-present father and his broken wings. So it is understandable that he would latch on to Charlotte and try to rationalize why it is the perfect choice and right decision to do what he has been doing and what he is going to keep doing. It doesn't change the fact that it is horrible and selfish and bad, but it's understandable. Yes. And fuck you showrunners that you make this show good and consistent and still make me have so many emotions. (laughs) All your fans are masochists. Clearly. Gee. Well, some of us are just trying to focus on the positive things, which is not the beginning of the next scene. The handholding in the precinct is very uncomfortable. And I had a bit of a revelation in this moment about Chloe. She literally dates every or dated or tried to date at some point three out of four of our male characters. Wow. Right? Which is interesting tying it with the discussion about her being presented as this reserved woman, it's interesting to see that she literally would do anyone as long as she works with them. I mean, dating in the workplace, in my opinion is very awkward and especially given a power differential between boss and employee or lieutenant and detective is highly problematic. So I'm in general not a fan of seeing these settings, but mostly I feel sorry for Dan because walking in on that, eh, not fun. Well, I have the same note because Dan, it feels very uncomfortable for him to like come up there. He looks uncomfortable. Chloe looks uncomfortable, which is kind of interesting because they seem like very good friends and they would share such a big thing especially he's a father of a child I feel like if she actually takes this relationship seriously she would talk to Dan about that whole situation for numerous of reasons yeah but Chloe is still awkward with this relationship she has not committed fully yet and also she's probably aware that making out in the workplace is not a good idea they're holding hands so I wouldn't call them making out but yeah and then Lucifer shows up and she jumps up and makes him sit down next to Kane, and it's just all weird but now Mace enters and I just had another note of Kane is suspicious and I hate him because of the way he handles the situation. She is in complete self-destructor mode but I agree I hate everything 
relating to peers and the relationship stuff in the scene. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. And we stay in the precinct for quite a while in this scene, in various parts of it. And yeah, I'm just gonna say it one final time for the record. I hate this. Yeah, we kind of jumped into Pierce's office and he does something that made me extremely mad. And that is not only he questions Chloe's judgment on this, because he asks her again if she is certain that she is impartial in this case, which she has proven over and over and over again that we can trust her gut. And her professionality. She has proven that she, even though when she is emotionally involved, is capable of doing her fucking job. And then he does the second thing that makes me extremely upset, and that is that he brings Lucifer into this. And this moment, bringing Lucifer up right now, is targeted manipulation. So, fuck you, Kane. Fuck you very much. Absolutely. Fuck you, Pierce. But it makes perfect sense that he is such a master manipulator, because... He has been doing this shit for eons, basically. And he used to be the cinnamon. He manipulated people back when he was the cinnamon. And we are aware of how far his reach was back then and how competent he was. And then he brings up the bullets. He's not wrong. I mean, he's... That's the problem. No, that's the problem. He's not factually wrong. He twists it, but he is not factually wrong, which gives it the weight that then at the end of the episode leads to Chloe taking it off. I'm not ready to talk about that yet because I am already upset and I need some cooldown period before I get all nuclear about that. Because fuck that, if she stops wearing the bullets I wrote down here because of him, I will be very upset. And look what happened. Mm. And you're right to be upset, but... I'm sorry, this is... I I know where you're coming from, and you're not wrong. You are absolutely correct. But also, if I get a gift from my friend, who is very dear and near to me, and my partner... Or like, if the person I'm dating is gonna complain that I'm wearing a gift that I got from somebody who has saved my life, who is my dear friend, and who I am very close with, and they're trying to... Done. Gone. Bye. I know this is the principle of how abusive relationship works, and how you kind of fall into it, and that makes it even worse. And it's just... Yeah, but the problem is that if you look at it without emotion, it is rationally understandable that he has a valid point. And this is the problem. Yes. We go over into interrogation and Maze feeds them this absolute bullshit story. She feels very much resigned on the fact that nobody really likes her and nobody wants to be her friend. Even though Chloe repeatedly says, you are my friend. I don't believe you're evil. We're friends. So it's just very much... I was very saddened with Maze's approach right now. Maze is completely spiraling and nothing that is said on the outside really penetrates her self-loathing and depression and loneliness. But especially anything that Chloe says is affected by who Chloe is. So Chloe cannot win this. Chloe is doing everything right that is in her power, but she has no chance. Which makes this even more heartbreaking. I did not see that yet. I was just very focused on Maze and not the reasoning why she's not being able to accept these things from Chloe. But, mm, 
But nevertheless, Chloe manages to catch Mace at bullshitting, which it's a classic technique and it's been used on many, many occasions. We also get the title drop within the interrogation because May is looking for the closest place to hell on Earth. Apparently is women's prison. Yep. This moment, I don't know what was said, but I have realized that the winery is the source of the crime. Because you realized what Lucifer and especially Chloe should have realized, that if she never showed up at the winery, the dude at the winery couldn't have recognized Lucifer's description and thus it should have made click and they instantly should have gone to the winery and... Sort that bullshit out. Thank you. And then I went all cups into see, I was right. It was all too perfect. So a little bit of self-soothing ego-wise here from my side. Well needed and well deserved. Of course, we now have Lucifer realizing that Mace is innocent and duh, we can't punish the innocent. Yeah. And he grabs a sandwich and a stapler to get her out. I do like that no matter how convoluted shit gets in his brain, certain base truths and realities simply always exist for Lucifer, which is not lying to anyone but himself and punishing the guilty and making sure the innocent do not get punished. But now, when he grabs the sandwich and the stapler, he gets approached by none other than Charlotte. Mm -hmm. Which was a very smart move on Charlotte's behalf. And oh boy, does she know how to play him. She is so good. She does this so well. And when he comes to the decision to stop deflecting and tell her everything, he does it in the worst possible way. And I applaud her spine to be able to walk herself out of the precinct after getting that truckload of hot shit unloaded on her and then having to deal with this. Go Charlotte! Well, essentially, he tells her everything that Ames did not. He tells her everything in the worst abridged version possible. But like, he literally just tells her about the divine stuff, which is the only information that Ames was holding back before, which is kind of funny when you think about it. And you could argue that Lucifer fucked up by telling her. You could. But he was asked a question. It's not the that he's telling her, it's the how he's telling her. He's in a rush. This is how Lucifer deals when he's in a rush. Yeah, by ignoring the feelings of people around him and not caring about the impact his actions and words have, completely lacking empathy in the situation and being extremely single-minded and usually focused on himself. You have to realize that from what Charlotte told him, he thought she knew. She said Emmendale told her everything. And then she explains some of the parts. And then he goes into the whole divine. Okay, well, I don't think it was surprising or it was even that bad. I think that it was very much in Lucifer's fashion and I'm not gonna diss him for that. That's fine. So then we go to the holding cell where Ella is the bestest human once again. Our sweet summer child. She is the bestest human. She says there is not a lick of evidence that exonerates you but I still have faith in you and your innocence. Which just makes her such a sweet, sweet, sweet dumb creature because she is actively being fooled by him Maze, who knows exactly how Ella thinks and works and behaves. And then Maze asks for a hug, which is just evil. 
Fun thing. You watch Supernatural, so you do remember that Amy Garcia was in the episode Use and Bellow. Yeah. Do you remember that the same move is done on her character in that episode? Yeah. Just a random fun side note. It's <laughs> kind of cool, yeah. But I love the fact that when Ella gets out of the cell and she goes back to the gang and she goes like, oh my god, poor Mace. She even asked me for a hug and Lucifer instantly knows something is fuckery. Same as me. Yeah, still, I just love that she's like, oh, and Lucifer instantly goes like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, so of course, as we suspected, Mace swiped Ella's ID card. <laughs> And as the song Hunt Me Down by the Black Angels is playing, she is looking for something in the precinct. And she, in my opinion, which then later gets confirmed, is looking for the person that framed her. And in this moment, I was like, "Mm, I wonder what changed her mind about going to prison because she felt so honest about this whole orange is the new mace thing happening to her and going to the hell on earth or whatever and suddenly she is running away and breaking out of a prison or something so it was a bit of a twist for me trying to figure out what's going on there and obviously then we have chloe explaining everything to us that mace wanted to get arrested and I was just very glad that we have Chloe on the case because she could explain every single step of how Mace thought and we know that it's correct. But also props to Mace because that was very smart and crafty of her to get arrested and then in that way get to the folder because they were looking for her. She would have no other way to get to that specific folder if she didn't get arrested. So yeah, that was kind of a fun moment. And then Lucifer walks in on Chloe and Kane nearly kissing. And the sarcasm that's dripping out of every single word he says is... This is a moment when I pat myself on the back again. Because he does have a major trust issue with Kane. Because he knows him and he knows what his goal is. Which, fair from Lucy's point of view. Do you know Lucifer knows what Pierce's endgame in Chloe's case is? Not in Chloe's case. Kane's general endgame. Honestly, even if his endgame was to die die if that means that he's gonna leave Chloe behind sad and heartbroken that is good enough reason for Lucifer to not want this for her in my opinion anyway part I hated most about this I mean repeat a moment the don't make out in the office this is a fucking HR nightmare don't do this with your boss blah blah whatever but when they leave and the camera focuses back on Pierce and he has this utterly smug expression on his face so say it with me once again fuck Fuck you peers fuck you (laughs) peers and i mean i'm not the biggest fan of tom welling's acting but he does play smug really well yep we see it in his face and we're facing it now but let's run away from it because maze is on the hunt and she heads over to find her bounty giver. I don't know if that's the expression, but we get a song that has been a star of my Devils in the Music called Lock and Loaded by The Brevet. So let's get into Maze's rage. I called it hunt throughout because she hunts each mark down, she takes them down, she gets what she needs from them, and then she moves on to the next target on her list. And it's really, really well done. But what I like most about this scene, 
which one of your midlife crises? I mean, sorry, what a perfect insult is referring to middle-aged men as midlife crises. I'm gonna steal that. If older men do what older men tend to do, this is gonna be my standard reply. Yeah, he's behaving like a piece of shit towards her. But seeing her kicking ass and taking names, ah, it's just, it's B-E-A-utiful. Well, we're gonna have a quick jump to Charlotte's office where she somehow invited Ames and he didn't say no and he looks worried and yes I am on board with that because yes he should be worried this is his fault this is absolutely on his head 100% and that's all I have to say this is his chance to clean up the mess he made you remember back in season one I think Or is it already season two when Chloe begins to question if maybe there is more to Lucifer's story and being the devil and getting shot but not dying? Where he comes up with the donning the bulletproof vest and having the blood package and making it all seem that Lucifer is very good at pretending and that it was all made up. So obviously Amenadiel knows how to turn suspicion with actual fucking lies and deception back into blissful ignorance. I think there's a difference though, because I think Chloe was looking for a reason to not believe it. I think Charlotte is looking for a reason to believe it. Because she's been through hell. Charlotte is looking for a confirmation that she is not crazy. We go back to the bail bounds and Mace is interrogating the guy who I don't remember his name. And he says he was paid by Sebastian Corporations. And then he gets shot in the head. And I'm like, what is that connected to? What's happening? Is it connected to something that we've seen before? Is it something completely new? Is it Kane's fault? And... I just went on this complete weird thought process that made me convinced that this is all Kane's doing. Kane didn't even enter my brain, but I was... Oh, do we have an actual conspiracy happening now? Well, I kind of went on this thought thing and then immediately with my next notes I am kind of defying the fact that it could have been connected to Kane in some way because it feels like whomever is trying to frame Mezekin thought that she would react as a human but as a matter of fact she reacted like a pissed of demon and now everything they do is not pre-planned and therefore they're revealing themselves while fucking up the whole framing maze plan so that's kind of interesting and I am disproving myself immediately. We then change the scene to our new crime scene. Lucifer names our dead bail bondsman as the Big Lebowski just because he's a bowling dude. I mean, come on Lucifer, get more creative with your pop culture references. He doesn't know anything else about him, so completely fair. But also, this is the moment where they come up with the brilliant idea that they should interview Maze's ex-bounties. And You do remember how much not a fan I was when they interviewed Lucifer's sexual partners with how all of that was framed. Oh my god, this is so much better. I love every single thing about this and I just wish there had been more. Yep, there is a song playing with this by the Pow Pow featuring Tito Ortiz and it's called 
Oh, here we go. And here we indeed go. Everything about this is brilliant. The framing of it, the focus on their faces in the beginning and then giving us more and more and more to show that he's still in the cast. And it's so great. It is so painful when they laugh at the dude whose goldfish got swallowed by Mace. She ate my goldfish and then Lucifer goes with fish got my tongue, which is just so mean that they make so much fun of him, but also it's so fucking hilarious. Also, if you ever wondered what the fuck goldfish swallowing is, listen to the devils in the details because that used to be a thing back in the 1930s. Yeah, I didn't know either. Gross. But the best part about this entire thing is that they all really like Mace. Yes, because she's a big cuddly bear with knives. She's the best. That's what makes her Mace. That's why we love her, because she's Mace. She's actually a good one, with very thorny shielding around her, but a very gooey center. So I really, really liked, because compared to the negative feeling and image of Lucifer we got when his sexual partners were interviewed. Here we get this warm, fuzzy feeling after they talk to all of them. So I was very happy. Of course, only until we switch over into the observation room and then all my fuzzy feelings vanished. Well, I still had them for Dan because I think comparing Lucifer to a cat and accepting the fact that Lucifer and Chloe do come as a package deal, it's beautiful and it's a very well crafted metaphor I can imagine that he's talked about that and he formed these sports before I can see him sitting on the stage of his improv class or coming up with this metaphor and actually really liking it and like waiting to be able to actually use it and it just made me very happy. He is absolutely right because I had this discussion in the real world. When you have a pet and you start dating someone and they treat your pet like shit. You sent them running instantly. The pet was first. On very many levels, this is wrong. Exactly. And then Pierce, of course, just once again shows what a fucking piece of shit he is. I just get rid of the cat. Fuck Kane. I was so angry. Yep. I was so angry and oh boy. Fuck you, Pierce. Well, we're gonna go resolve our case back to the winery. And again, my thought process. What did these people think? That Mace is just gonna roll with it? That she's gonna accept that she's being framed? Even if she weren't a demon, she's a fucking bounty hunter. What made them think that she would just accept that as her fate? I was very much confused why they were framing her. But the moment the owner of the winery comes clear with she's the mom of one of her bounties and he got killed in prison and she blames Mace, it makes sense that the plan doesn't make sense because she is a wounded mom trying to avenge her son in the most ridiculous, stupidest way possible. It's way too personal to be smart. Because you're right, it makes no sense what they're doing. <laughs> I mean, boohoo, little rich boy died in prison. Boohoo, my son never did anything wrong. It's always other people's fault. It's not his fault that he got drunk and then drove and killed someone. Just, I was happy that she stuck the knife into her foot. Yes, same. So then we had the brief moment of the random guy, like her right hand or whatever, 
shoots at Mace and I was just like oh who the fuck is this dude anyway and then she reveals that he is a hired help and I was like fuck that lady she has this coming absolutely i mean she will end up in hell either way oh yeah definitely but first she's going to prison for sure so she first goes into the hell on earth and then she goes into the actual hell we can ask her then which one is worse and (laughs) since we know all these things we don't really want mace to go down with her so i am very much on Chloe's side when she's trying to convince Mace to let go. And her talking to Mace, they got me going. I honestly believed for a moment there that she was getting through to Mace. It's a good speech. And it feels so true and so honest and authentic. This episode, with just looking at the Mace-Chloe friendship, really got Chloe that much higher in my personal liking of the character. I really, really adore Chloe's loyalty and her empathy. And I think if she was aware of everything, if she was in the know, then she would have been able to get through to Mace, even given the fact that she is the reason Lucifer refused to bring Mace home. That's how high I feel her competence is when it comes to this. Even with the ending of this episode, I really do hope that Mace gets out of the spiral and sees how good a friend Chloe has become for her. Yep, Mace right now has all the right to be upset. You can see that Mace cares for Chloe as well because if she didn't she would have never actually put the knife down. And I think that genius move on Chloe's part was mentioning Trixie as well because she's not wrong. Trixie loves Mace. Their relationship is just so much better than the relationship that she has with anybody else. And it's just a genius move on Chloe's part. And I think that's what tips it over the top a little bit. Yeah. We move over to Lux. I think we're going to have a bit of a discussion here because I'm not 100% convinced that this is a bad idea. So we go to Lux and we have Amenadiel and Lucifer standing to the side and Lucifer going, are you sure about this? This is the last chance. Even counting him down. And I, when I saw this for the first time, I was sure that Amenadiel was going to try to recreate the deception he had done with Chloe that I mentioned earlier. And when Lucifer then starts talking it was clear it can't be because Lucifer is not gonna actively lie and then he's he talks to her he takes a step back and he gets the wings out and I was so blown away by this and then the camera turns and we see Charlotte's face and she has the best imaginable response to this This goes once again onto the account of what a fucking brilliant actress Trisha Helfer is. Because there is pure joy in her face. She has tears in her eyes, yes, but these are tears of joy. She has now gotten the confirmation she is not crazy. And this, this entire thing is... Wow. And I was so happy for her. Yes, this started out as a dumpster fire and I'm still angry with Amenadiel but this is by far the best possible outcome and I'm so so happy for Charlotte. I think that she is partially staring 
in that like an awe feeling because she is witnessing divinity for the first time as well because we've seen people's reactions to the wings before and it's not like with Linda where Lucifer showed Linda his devil face which is way more scary this is more beautiful so I feel like it's a good thing that Lucifer doesn't have his devil face right now because I think that would be too much I think this is just the right amount of scary and beautiful at the same time for her not so stable psyche right now. Now, time to get angry. Oh my god. So, we head to the parking lot. Chloe comes up to Pierce and they had this conversation and she literally falls. She literally just does what he wants her to do. She takes the bullet off. And that made me so fucking angry because this is, as we mentioned before and as I have gotten angry about before and I don't know if that's gonna make it into the episode or not, so I'm gonna say it again. This is a masterclass in manipulation on the part of Kane, and I am not here for this. This is a classic sign of abusive relationship and if she gets more into that I'm gonna get more worried for her and I just really hope that Kane dies. I hate everything in this scene. Literally every little thing. But just I'm gonna just say yeah sorry. No no no. It does make sense. No so I think that what further kind of supports my upset is the fact that he gives her a choice and she chooses him over Lucifer. Not just by taking the bullet off, but by getting Kane to drive her home, which is a classic sign of, I gave you the choice, so you do have your own free will and this was your choice to be with me and... It's just, ah. Anyway, sorry, you go on now. So, as I said. I'm sorry. It's all good. I hate everything about this scene. From their conversation, from the suggested choices that are not actual choices, from the inherent manipulation, from Lucifer in the background at his car. Every little thing about this scene is painful and horrible and bad. But it makes perfect sense. And the reason why Chloe is behaving this way is because she is such a good and decent person. From her point of view, Pierce feels threatened in their very new and not yet completely official by her choice made relationship because she is wearing a token of affection by someone who she used to be interested in, which is a fact. So because she is such a sensitive and good human. She wants to soften his fears and takes off the token of of friendship because she goes overboard. She doesn't differentiate between the friendship and the former romantic connection that was there. And the bullet definitely has a romantic feeling attached to it. So I think she is overcompensating by giving in to his deliberately not verbalized demands. And that's her downfall. That she is not entirely secure in her feelings and by not wanting to hurt his feelings she is falling right into his trap and I am super sure Pierce is aware of that and this is why he is doing this and as much as I hate everything about this I have to say Chloe being this extremely decent and empathic and caring person really works for me and makes me feel so much worse for her and I hate it even more that she is being used like that yeah but damn that's good writing (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. Ugh. 
so can we move on from this horrible, horrible scene, please, now? <laughs> and move into the other horrible, horrible scene? Yep. Awesome. So we go <laughs> into the penthouse and Lucifer is playing on his piano. We haven't been in the penthouse for a while now, so it's nice to see him behind the piano again. He plays Moonlight Sonata by Beethoven. That he does. Mace shows up and she expresses her pain. And it is heartbreaking to see her hurting like that. And I think, and I know that you're going to argue against this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think he really does care about her in his own way. I think that he has a very different approach to her. That doesn't invalidate the fact that she is right. Nobody puts her first and they do not deserve her. 100% on board with that. So I think he does care, but he doesn't care enough. This scene is one of the worst for me in this episode because this entire episode, Mace has been spiraling and spiraling and people, especially Chloe, have tried to reach out and she has not been able to let them in. And now she has made this, come on, let's be honest, ginormous step of consciously deciding to stop with the confrontational approach, but instead open up, be emotionally honest that she is in pain. With Lucifer, though. With the only person capable of bringing her home where she expects the only place where she would be free of this pain. So she is opening up and he starts out so well by apologizing. And for a moment there, I'm like, yes! And he apologizes, but then he proves that he does not understand what he should be apologizing for. And then he gives her as reason why he is not bringing her back to hell that he can't lose her, which is by far the most selfish reason. And it's horrible. I will not do my part in ending your pain or making it less bad because I refuse to have more pain. And I hate it. And then he makes it worse by saying not you too. Had he kept it at I can't lose you, period. It would have sucked, but okay, still salvageable. But then he goes and he adds not you too. And I was so angry because yes, season one Lucifer, selfish asshole. Nearly at the end of season three Lucifer, not that selfish anymore. At least I thought so. And so this was painful because it was so painful to Mace, but it was also extremely disappointing to me to see that he, despite my belief otherwise has apparently not grown beyond that yet and I was sure of that which is why this is also utterly emotional and frustrating and infuriating to me I see that we both had a moment in this episode when we just completely emotionally broke down into anger I mean also come on being the second fiddle for everyone is one of the worst feelings in the world yes That's why I agree that she is right. Nobody deserves her. She is too good for all of them because she is the purest heart, purest intention, the most loyal person in the entire show, essentially. If she loves you, she loves you fully. And there are no exceptions. So yeah, this is why I agree that she is right. But at the end of the scene, my favorite song of this episode starts to play but unfortunately I already made my Devils in the Music on Valerie Broussard so this time I'm just gonna say listen to it 
It's beautiful and heartbreaking and sad and amazing. And it is called Start a War by <laughs> Clergy by Tseng by Valerie Broussard. Wow, that's a title. And with that title and a song, Mace leaves the penthouse, pugs her stuff and heads to the bus stop. And then as she is in line in the very back of the scene and it's shot really, really well because it's so sinister, we see Pierce approaching and his broad-shouldered frame is thankfully very recognizable so it's very easy to see that it's him. And for the last time in this episode I'm gonna say fuck you Pierce because while on a villainous level I can appreciate the genius using Mace in her extremely vulnerable state is beyond deplorable and reprehensible and I hate him. I hate him more than I hated him at any other point in this season. Pierce is a ginormous pile of garbage. Yep. And I'm, I'm gonna agree with you. I hope he fucking dies. I hope he dies and I hope he gets sent to hell and gets stuck in a fucking hell loop so dying will not make his life any less miserable. Yes. He can go into Abel's hell loop and they can kill each other for eternity. Perfect. Mm. But no, this behavior and the way he approaches Mace just proves over and over again that he's a cold bastard that doesn't really make connection with, with anybody. And that is his downfall. And I truly hope that if... Not if, when he's going to try to fuck Mace over, because he will, she will see it coming and she will take him down before he has the chance. One of the things I hate so much is that Pierce is emotionally manipulating two women who are not equipped because of their specific situations to recognize and fight this. And I feel like this is the first time we had such a bad treatment of female characters in this show and it... It all feels extremely icky because people like this exist. Give me a bit less reality in my television shows. <laughs> no, but this is why these types of villains are way worse than the ones that come up to you and straight up shoot you in a face. Yeah, absolutely. Because they are way more relatable. We all know a Pierce. Yeah, sadly. Just like we all know an Umbridge. Exactly. And Umbridge way worse than Voldemort. Gross! Gross! Also, final note on this scene. I'm gonna hate this so much, right? Mm. So I apologize, dear listeners. There's going to be a lot of ranting in the future, I'm pretty sure. Speaking of ranting, let's go into my final thoughts. So Pierce claims he's going to help Mace getting back to hell. How even? How even is that supposed to work in his brain as a ploy or in her brain as an I'm going to take you at your word? Obviously, before any of that is in theory gonna happen she will have to do something for him to get rid of the cat like he said <sighs> the whole relationship stuff between chloe and pierce was very exhausting for me in general i am never a fan of this type of cringe or awkward i must say once again though that i am a fan of chloe's behavior in all of this her decent character is really growing more and more on me which i did not expect when we started this podcast. As much as I do not like where this is going with Mace and how much my heart hurts for her, I really did enjoy the focus on her in this episode because this is a good Mace episode in the sense that the developments make sense and we get to see her relationships with the others. But by far, my favorite thing in this episode is Charlotte. The way she now talks unrestrained in therapy, it shows how much she has grown, her cornering Lucifer to get more information out of him, her keeping it together until she confronts a deal and has to accept that she is crazy, all the way to her reacting so fucking ultra-positively to the wings coming out. 
every step of her development has felt natural from scene one with her to now and understandable and human and I am utterly in love with this character. And now that she knows that she is not crazy, I really hope she gets some sense of closure and maybe happiness with Dan. I think I've made my opinions very clear throughout this episode. I shall conclude this summary with I really hope they don't fuck this up. Yeah, we can definitely agree on the fact that this was a maze episode and it answered a lot of questions that we may have had after last week. For example, questions about Trixie. If somebody's trying to take care of Trixie. Yes, Chloe's there. She's trying to reel Maze back to the light side. And <laughs> even though she is unsuccessful, she really tries hard for Trixie. The Charlotte side plot better gets more attention next time. It felt like it didn't have enough time, but understandably. I was very much into what they had to go through with Mace. So it was enough for me for this time. It is amazing that Mace got some sort of a chance to work through her rage while having now a good reason coming from Pierce to stick around. As I said, I really just hope that she will fuck Kane over before he fucks over her. So as much as I hate how this episode made me feel, it's a really good one and they are certainly getting ready for the finale. And with this, we say thank you for listening. If you are curious, find us on the various social media. We love interacting with you either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash taotpodcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards from early release to hours of bonus content. Yes, Hours. If that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They really help. Or telling all your friends about us, because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank, Thank you. you! Bye! Bye.